It's the Locked On Canes podcast, where it's all about the U. I'm your host, Corey Joyner. I'm joined by my co-host, Fred Perdue. On today's show, we bring you news surrounding the program. Former players take shots at the program, and we take a look at practice from Green Tree Practice Field. Corey, what's going on, man? It's uh, I think I've gotten over a lot of the issues that I had over the weekend, man. It's you know, it's as as my favorite head coach at the next level says, it's on to pit. Well, we know who your favorite coach is. <laughs> and they had a big game last night. And they didn't help me win in my daily fantasy league. I'm a little upset about that. Before we get things started, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes for all the latest happening with the show and updates on this team. Be sure to send your questions with the upcoming mailbag episode with the hashtag L-O-C mailbag. We're going to get things started today with news and notes. Um, last night, speaking of that New England Patriots game, Pro Kane, Philip Dorsett caught three passes for 46 yards and a huge 26-yard touchdown grab while the Patriots defeated the New York Jets 33-0. What a stinker of a Monday night game. Yeah, it was. I actually thought with Sam Darnold coming back, it would have mattered a little bit more, but I guess it didn't. Uh, Philip Dorsett ran a nice little stuttering goal, and Tremaine Johnson just looked completely lost. And, you know, he he's really revived his career, uh, Philip Dorsett, that is. Uh, he was drafted by the Colts in the first round. You know, we thought maybe he, him and T.Y. Hilton would have been the thing. Didn't really work out. Uh, he moved on to the Patriots, and he's fit in perfectly. He stretches the field. He's not, you know, he's not putting up a hundred yards a game or anything. He's not completely taking over games, but he does everything that every uh, that Tom Brady wants. He's he does what they ask. Do your job. Uh, as your res- resident Patriots fan here, um, you know it was very it was good to see him making plays on the field. Yeah, shout out to him making plays on Monday Night Football. With the bright lights on, the only game on on a Monday night. So, congrats, Philip Dorsett. Uh, we're going to jump into injuries. As you guys know, we had both quarterbacks get hurt. Um, already, Jaron Williams was out with the bum shoulder. And now, we have Nikosi Perry with a dislocated shoulder. And both of them, they're day-to-day. And hopefully, they can get better. But it's, 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 it's not looking too good at the quarterback situation for us. Yeah, Nikosi Perry played through a, uh, a separated shoulder, man. it was That's tough. I mean, you know, when you're playing with an injury uh, to your left shoulder, you know, it's it's tough. He's, I mean, he's not left-handed or anything. But anytime you get hit, you get dropped to the ground, guys are going to fall on you. I mean, let's just – I mean, let's just be real about it. Guys are going to – they know your injury. That's why we – when you look at the injury reports – Nowadays, coaches are really, really starting to just mask those injuries by saying upper extremity, lower extremity, because we know, you know, tap that shoulder a little bit, see how he reacts, tap that ankle if a guy has an ankle. So, you know, he, you have to protect your players. And uh, Nikosi looked okay, but, you know, you have to be, at, every, at this point, everybody's injured. So uh, there's no excuses there, but. At some point, you know, you can't be – you got to you gotta show up and you cannot be injured. And speaking of protecting your players, seeing that both quarterbacks are hurt, is it Tate Martell time? Do we put Tate Martell in the game? Because he did transfer here to play quarterback. So with 
you having the injuries to protect those players. Is it time to put Tate Martell in at quarterback? You know, I don't think it's about time to put Tate in yet. I think he worked well with the receivers. Uh, it showed early in the season with him getting valuable reps against Florida. I don't think that was the best time in the world to do that, but uh, I don't think it's time to go to go to Tate just yet, especially with him only practicing with receivers mostly. Uh, I think Jaron is Jaron's going to be healthy at some point. Uh, you still have to run the football, and with seeing what I saw with Cam Harris against Georgia Tech, it encourage it's very encouraging to see um, how they the, the offensive line was able to just fire off the ball. So just slow down just a little bit, just a little. Now, also this week, uh, Blake James he made some comments. Um, he said we're only seven games in, and uh, Manny Diaz is doing what he needs to do to build this program for long-term success. But we won't see anything until after recruiting signing days are over and that they get into the program. What What are your thoughts about what Blake James had to say, Fred? You know, he had to say what he had to say. Uh, you, what, what do you expect him to say? We hate our coach. We're looking at Urban Meyer or we want Nick Saban or, you know, we want someone else. Blake Baker's the the new guy. What do you want him to say? He has to back his guy. That was the choice he made at the beginning of the year. Uh, so you have to back him. We're only seven games in. He's uh, everyone's on the same page. That's what it says to me. You know, being seven games in and you know, understanding that this may be going with the rebuild narrative. If you know how to spin this, you can spin it to fans in a sense that have a little patience with us. I've heard patience for the last 20 years and some others have heard that too, but you know, I want to see, I'm tired of waiting and I know a lot of fans are tired of waiting, but we have to play this waiting game yet again. And you know, this one, us waiting this long, this time may cost not only your AD, but also your head coach's job at some point. If changes aren't, uh, if the results don't actually match up with what the narrative is showing. Yeah, it's a tough spot, and we all know when it comes to the game of football uh, with top programs, the leash is short. (laughs) The leash is short, especially if you are not winning and giving the fans what they want, and that's a winning program. This program has been consistently inconsistent, (laughs) and at some point, that has to change. At some point, they have to stack up wins. They have to get wins against quality opponents, and beat the teams you're supposed to beat. We were supposed to win that game against Georgia Tech. We were not supposed to lose that game. That is not a game you lose against a 1-5 and five team. I got mad all over again. I'm sorry. I'm hurt, dog. You hurt? Don't, I'm, I'm I don't need to ask you, are you all right? But I'm going to ask you, are you all right? I'm all right. You okay. know what? I, I'm all right. Because you know what? We not had a couple days to sleep on it. We talked about it. We put out our frustration, and it's time to move on. The boys are back at practice today. We'll get into practice uh, later in the show, but we, we, we can move on. We can move on. So we actually had some former UM greats tweet out their thoughts on the state of Miami football. So we will be right back to give you our thoughts on what those tweets meant. So one of the former... UM great, Mr. Ed Reed tweeted out, 
Hashtag UM, don't need a new football coach. It's called growing pains. Hashtag King. Now, Ed Reed is in favor of keeping this coaching staff in place. He is giving a vote of confidence to Manny Diaz and his staff, saying that they just need time to weed out the bad attitude, the bad habits, the bad culture to get this thing to where we want this program to be. However, Vince Wilford commented underneath that tweet, 20, we have been having growing pains for almost two decades. So what he's saying there is, it's been a problem since the 2000, since the championship days, since 2001. This program has not been consistent in winning and upholding that standard of the University of Miami excellence. But you got fans on both sides. Some fans are in favor of what Ed Reed said. Some fans are in the boat of Vince Wilford. Me personally, I'm in the Ed Reed boat. I mean, Manny Diaz, for what he's done this season, for the bad that has happened, how this is not turning out the way we wanted it to, we still have to give him some time. I mean, we can't reset every season if the season is not going our way. That's creating inconsistency at the coaching position. So I think we need, still need to give him some time so that he can change this culture. Uh, we were all buying what he was selling and dishing out this offseason. So if he can get this team together these last five games and in the offseason, get some players in here that will fit the system and stop losing players to the transfer portal, I think uh, we will be fine. But, Fred, where do you stand with this? I'm on Vince Wilfork's side on this one. I mean, the last time Miami was actually relevant, and no disrespect to Coach Mark Rick, and his and his uh, when he was uh, at the helm, Miami hasn't been relevant since about 2005. That was the last time they were, you know, consistently relevant. They were number three in the country uh, behind USC and Texas. Uh, even though in reality, I don't think even the, that team would have had a chance against either one of those teams. Uh, they were just on a whole different level. Miami lost to conveniently Georgia tech, uh, which knocked them out of the top five. And well, Miami hadn't been in the, in that top five since then uh, up until that Mark, until Mark Rick took over uh, when we were 10 and zero and we were rocking and the turnover chain was new and fresh and, you know, to me, I agree. Miami hasn't really been relevant for a long time. We're the butt of jokes. I mean, when UCF, and I'm throwing plenty of shade at your soon-to-be alma mater, but when UCF doesn't really want to schedule Miami, and when UCF is throwing shots and other schools are throwing shots, and, you know, it's it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing when all of the top players don't want to come to the school to the school that really started it all in, in South Florida, you know, I just I don't I just don't understand what has to happen, whether it's a coach, whether it's a culture change, something has to happen. I've seen it way too many times in other places around the country, whether it's Alabama in 06 with Nick Saban, whether it's uh, Florida with their reboot in 06 uh, with Urban Meyer. Uh, taking over for Ron Zook, <laughs> you know, I I could even go as far as saying Dan Mullen 
taking over at Mississippi State and really changing that program and putting guys in place like Dak Prescott and making them making them relevant in the SEC. Urban Meyer goes to Ohio State, and it, the, Ohio State's a big name, but they were on some trying times at the time. They had the talent, but not the coach. I mean, I could name various places. Even if you want to go to uh, the, the people up north, their head coach, I, I won't reference them as anything else, but the the, the folks up north. Uh, but Willie Taggart, uh, with his time at USF and then going on to Oregon, and his time at Western Kentucky, he turned those programs around. When is it Miami's turn to find the guy? You have to spend money to make play, make things happen. Come on, Vince. Help us go find a coach. I mean, be a part of the solution, too. If you're going to say something as a, play, a former player, go be a part of that solution. And speaking of players trying to be a part of the solution, Clinton Portis also tweeted out, at what point will alumni college or NFL get a chance to fail. So what he's saying, at what point is former players going to get opportunity to coach um, at the University of Miami? Coach, be a head coach, be a defensive coordinator, be an offensive coordinator in those premium positions that can impact the game. And why not? I mean, why not get players in there to go out and coach these guys up? They've been there. They've been winners before. A lot of times they do bring the players back um, just because of the culture at Miami. Players come back to help out. Um, it's a big draw to have those players who've had great success in college and going into the pros to come back and help the young players. But why not? Why not get those players to come in and be coaches at the University of Miami? You know, and we had a former player. Granted, he didn't really have an opportunity to play per se, but you've had former players be head coaches in the last four coaching changes. Randy Shannon was a linebacker uh, back in the day. You also had Mark Rick, who was a former quarterback, albeit a backup. He was also a former player. So you've had the former players. Uh, you've also had Mike Rumpf, who uh, was a was a, a high school head coach at American Heritage in Plantation, Florida, where he had a powerhouse and. A lot of his kids went on to consequently go to Alabama to be, and Georgia to be to be big time players and starters on those rosters. But he went on to be uh, a part of the staff as well. Demarcus Van Dyke is a part of the staff as an, as a recruiting coordinator. So you have former players. It may not be the big names that you're expecting, like a Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Um, you know, a Jeremy Shockey. You don't see a lot of those names coming through and being coaches. Is there something that those guys can can impart upon current players? Sure, uh, but at the same time, I think former play you can't get caught up in being having a former player as a head coach. Go look at Michigan; they have Jim Harbaugh, and no disrespect to Jim Harbaugh, but he needs to go back to the NFL. This is not working at Michigan, and they will, every every time Michigan looks for a new coach, they look for a Michigan man and. What has a Michigan man gotten you? They they're as irrelevant as Miami is. So you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you talk when you're talking about winning consistently ten games every year, uh, winning your division, winning your conference, getting to, to a, at that time um, back in for a while the BCS national championship picture, now the playoff picture. You know, it's not necessarily about getting the guy that went to your school. Maybe sometimes, very much like Ohio State, going after a guy like Urban Meyer, the best, the best 
uh, possible coach to fit the culture of the program because Miami at one point looked at Chip Kelly. They also looked at uh, a guy like Mike Leach. Neither one of those guys fit the culture of Miami. Manny Diaz is very much Miami, and he fits the culture. Uh, He grew up here. So you have to know how those pieces fit. And, Fred, if he fits the culture, he grew up here. Don't you think we need to give him time to get this thing turned around? Because you were on board with Vince Wilfork. <laughs> These growing pays, man. Let's, you're not going to get it right right now. We're not giving you time to get it right. But you just said to fix this culture, he is the culture. He grew up here. He's a Miami guy. We got to give him some time. You don't I, agree? I do agree that you have to give him time. I think the frustration comes with – how many times are we going to reboot? You've had Randy Shannon. You had Al Golden. You had Mark Rick. Now you have Manny Diaz. How many times are we going to hear the same message repackaged and, and shipped back out? And then you have to um, you have to reboot every four, four to six years. I mean, at some point, the recruiting classes have to match up with the amount of success that you're having. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem giving a three to five year window, but within that three to five year window, Mark Rick had the success. He showed what it, what an SEC program would look like in the ACC, along with Clemson, and he had that instant success. But the problem, like the problem, was with him was that the offense was a dinosaur, and you have to be willing to put your pride aside and go out and hire a guy to innovate on offense. So the pieces were there. The coach was there. But sometimes you just have to worry about egos getting in the way and other politics with behind the scenes. I could agree with that for sure. Um, hopefully uh, we can put those egos to the side. We can get those politics out the way and we can just focus on the field. Get things right on the field and get some wins, especially in these last five games. Now, sometimes you have to get back to fundamentals. On the other side of the upcoming break, we will update you on today's practice in just a moment. So for Tuesday's practice, we spoke about this on yesterday's podcast. The Canes had an awful day, terrible day, tackling against Georgia Tech. And that was one of the primary reasons they lost a game they should not have lost. Um, But to open practice, tackling drills. Tackling drills, tackling drills, tackling drills was how they got things started today. Yeah, tackling was a major emphasis after a pro fo- after Pro Football Focus confirmed 27 tackles were missed against Georgia Tech, and that's that's just unacceptable at the ele- at the little league level. I mean, much less the college level. You're a D1 player. You are D1 players with D1 scholarships making, and you're out here missing 27 tackles. Wrap up, guys. Wrap up. Wrap up. Yeah, tackling is fundamental. It's fundamental football. It's the basic of the basic concepts uh, to be successful at the game. And you got to do it effectively. If you don't do it effectively, you're going to lose games. You're going to lose games. Um, with the quarterbacks, we spoke about the injury to Nikosi Perry and to Jaron Williams. Um, they were all practicing today, along with Tate Martell getting – the third screen reps at quarterback. So we alluded to possibly having Tate get in at quarterback. So with him practicing, even though it's with the third screen, could we see some Tate Martell? 
Mm. Uh, I think you could see him in in a few packages, maybe a wildcat type of situation, especially with DJ Dallas uh, going down uh, and Cam Harris being the guy. Uh, Robert Burns may get a little bit of, uh, no pun intended, he might get some burn too. Uh, but, you know, those are options as far as running the football. But as far as a full-time drop-back quarterback, I don't think Tate Martell, because he's only getting third-string reps, uh, he's not working with the first team, so he's not getting that chemistry with the offensive line, with the receivers. I don't think you'll see him much in a full-time role. Well, the good news is Jaron Williams actually looked pretty sharp throwing the ball today. Um, he did get a little playing time against Georgia Tech, uh, but he was still aching with that shoulder. That's why they put Nikosi back in the game. But with him looking better, dare I say he starts for our next game? Possibly, and it would be a very bad situation. I mean, you're going to pit. Uh, you're also it's a noon start, so that's not great either. You're almost playing musical chairs at quarterback, and uh, with the shoulder injury, with a lot of the – uh, the issues that you're having, guys may be shutting it down, especially being three and four, protecting their draft status, protecting themselves from injuries. That's never a good situation. So um, I would hate for any of that to happen. And, you know, I don't ever question a player's competitiveness, so don't want to put any of that bad juju out there. But it's the facts of life when it comes to college football, especially for older players who are ready to move on to the next stage of their careers. This will be a bad game to shut it down, especially if Jaron Williams gets denied at quarterback because Pitt, (laughs) they are killing it with their defensive front. And if the offensive line, I mean, they have been Swiss cheese, as I like to say, all season for their pass blocking. Jaron Williams won't. He'll be coming out the game early if if that's the case. Um, So they need to continue to focus on getting better especially going into this game. Um, I think Danny knows definitely should put in some packages, some max protect packages, run the football more to protect whoever starts at quarterback because that pit defense, they're going to send it. They're going to send players after the quarterback. And I, I'm a little afraid for our quarterbacks going into this game. That's, that's why I actually would be okay with getting Tate Martell in that quarterback because it's not looking good against this front. It really isn't. Um, Pitt is leading the country in uh, in sacks, and to be just to put a little bit of perspective on it, uh, Miami averaged three and a half sacks a couple years ago. Pitt is averaging five sacks a game. They're lapping the field, as Manny Diaz uh, said in his presser yesterday. So I'm I'm really interested to see how this is going to how they're going to adjust the offense, get the ball out quicker, run the ball a little bit better. Uh, that offensive line is in trouble if, if they can't really protect Jaron, and Jaron will be on the ground a lot, hurt even more than he already is. Yeah, and on the last practice note, Jeff Thomas, uh, who was suspended for the Georgia Tech game, was back at practice today. His status is still up in the air for the Pittsburgh game, but it's a good sign seeing that he's practicing and, and getting those reps. So fingers crossed that whatever happened with Jeff Thomas that caused his suspension, it is over and done with, and we can move forward and get him back on the field. Now, with only a few games left, the Canes have a long road ahead of them, and we will be right here to deliver the latest Canes content for you. So make sure you don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform that you use to get your podcasts in. 
please leave a rating review and really um, share this show with everyone you know that's a Canes fan. It'll help us out and grow the show to make it bigger and better. Also, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCanes. Be sure to send us your questions. We want to get you guys involved with the show on Twitter, hashtag LOC Mailback. Get those questions out so we can get you guys on the Friday show. And also, don't forget to follow Fred and myself on Twitter at CoreyJ863 and at Fred Purdue CFB. So, tomorrow, we're going to bring you the latest from practice. Any additional notes from what the players had to say, what the coaches had to say. And we're going to give you the latest happening if there's any breaking news um, surrounding this program. So, you guys go out, have a happy Tuesday, and go Canes! It's all about the you. Go Canes.